Hello, Set Apart Saints. This is David Nakao Wilcoxon. This audio is from the Olivet Discourse Decoded video series. The videos were low-tech, mostly me just reading what's on the screen. So you're not missing much in the audio version. The Olivet Discourse Decoded PDFs that I refer to in the lessons can be found at www.theolivetdiscourse.com. Enjoy the lesson. Hello, Set Apart Saints. This is David. In the last video about the Great Tribulation in the Olivet Discourse, we covered how the Great Jewish Revolt began in earnest when Emperor Nero enacted more tax laws. The Jews attacked Roman Antonia Fortress, killing some of the soldiers, and set fire to the garrison. They overran the Roman garrison in Masada to steal Herod's weapons. And Roman military garrisons in Judea were overrun by rebels, which incited Rome. And they killed thousands of soldiers when Cestius and his army left Jerusalem, which incited the ire of the Roman emperor, who then sent three legions of his military to take Jerusalem captive. Jewish historian Josephus was captured by the hand of the Most High, so that he had a front-line view of the battle, to record it so that we can see the fulfillment. Josephus documents that 250,000 Jews were killed in Galilee and other towns. Many of the rebels fled to the stronghold of Jerusalem, and the Roman legions followed them there. Galilee's defeat by the Romans caused an upheaval in Judea. Refugees from Galilee, including revolutionaries intending to fight another day, made their way to Jerusalem, swelling the ranks of the rebels who held the temple since the start of the revolt. But the moderates were also strengthened in their conviction that the Romans could not be stopped. The initial defeat of the 12th legion under Cestius, which had so emboldened the revolutionaries and caused even the loyalists to wonder if divine providence might be on the side of Judea, now looked to them like an aberration. There was no guarantee that heaven wouldn't favor the Romans. Josephus notes, A further fracture, though, was occurring among the rebels. Vespasian, to them, appeared to be dithering in Galilee, afraid to attack Jerusalem, and the death of Nero and rebellion elsewhere in the empire would have provided proof that the new Judean state was secure. So far as they were concerned, the revolt had been won. Thus, the next question was already being addressed. Who would become ruler now? Josephus said this about the factions. But now what did the most elevate them in undertaking this war was an ambitious oracle that was also found in their sacred writings. How, about that time, one, from their country, should become governor of the habitable earth. The Jews took this prediction to belong to themselves in particular, and many of the wise men were thereby deceived in their determination. This ambition caused the faction's rulers to assemble their armies, which fought against other Jewish factions, to become the king of the Jews and the world. Peaceful Sadducee temple priests, many of whom sought peace with Rome, were countered and killed. One of the factions is the zealots of John of Gisala. John and his army of violent zealots escaped the Roman attacks in northern Judea and fled to Jerusalem. He acted as if he were the king of Jerusalem, making demands and killing those who didn't comply. Josephus also tells of the terrible torments inflicted upon nobles and citizens of the better sort who refused to comply with the zealots' demands. Those, after being tortured, were slain, and through fear, none dared bury them. In this way, 12,000 of the more eminent inhabitants perished. Those zealots were led by a tyrant named John, and the excesses of murder and uncleanness in which they habitually indulged are indescribable. The zealots killed those who sought to leave Jerusalem. Daily desertions from Jerusalem were hampered by zealots guarding the roads who kill and leave the bodies unburied. 
Every dictate of religion was ridiculed by these men, who scoffed at the oracles of the prophets as impostors' tales. But the predictions of destruction would prove accurate. And this is why the saints needed to escape Jerusalem after seeing the abomination of desolation of Cestius and his army surround Jerusalem in November 66, because the zealots and the other factions were an enemy of the saints. Another faction is the bloodthirsty Idumeans, skilled soldiers from Idumea, which is south of Judea, who are strongly anti-Roman, found themselves manipulated by the factions. Under the guise of a Judean provisional government coming to terms with the Romans, John persuaded a band of 20,000 armed Indomians to come to Jerusalem to fight with them. Josephus says, On the advice of the zealots, the angry Idumeans marched through the city and attacked the guards surrounding the temple, as the rest of the zealots attacked from within. The din from all quarters was rendered more terrific by the howling of the storm. At daybreak, 8,500 are dead. The fury of the Idumeans is now turned to the city itself. Houses are looted and people encountered killed, and the chief priests are searched for. The Idumeans kill Ananus and Jesus, son of Gamalus. The corpses are mocked and cast outside the city without burial, contrary to Jewish law. The zealots and Idumeans proceed to murder and arrest their opponents among the young nobility, who would not join them. In the end, killing 12,000. The eminent Zacharias of Barris is killed after a mock trial. A zealot meets secretly with the Idumeans and explains that Ananus had actually not been a traitor, and that the Idumeans were duped into helping the zealots, whom they should no longer support. The Idumeans responded by releasing 2,000 citizens from prison. The Idumeans then left Jerusalem. With the Idumeans gone, the zealots, now unchecked, murder all possible opponents and persons of authority, including Gorion, son of Joseph, and Niger, the Perean, who was a hero of battles against the Romans. Many of Jerusalem's deaths were caused by civil war between the different factions, which preyed upon each other like a raving beast. After the bloodthirsty Idumeans joined the zealots in slaughtering thousands in February to March 68 AD, Josephus said, But because the city had to struggle with three of the greatest misfortunes, war and tyranny and sedition, it appeared, upon the comparison, that the war was the least troublesome to the populace of them all. Accordingly, they ran away from their own houses to foreigners and attained that preservation from the Romans, which they despaired to attain from their own people. Meanwhile, another tyrant arose, Simon Bar-Giora, who commanded a major force of 15,000 troops. Of him, Josephus says, Now this Simon, who was without the wall, was a greater terror to the people than the Romans themselves, while the zealots who were within it were heavier upon them than both the other. To overthrow the zealot faction of John of Gasala, the people finally admitted Simon and his followers, who quickly took control over much of the city. Packed with militants of many factions, including remains of the forces loyal to the Judean provisional government, and significant zealot military headed by Eleazar ben Simon, Jerusalem quickly descended into anarchy, with the radical zealots taking control of large parts of the fortified city. George Peter Holford, in the book The Destruction of Jerusalem and from 1805, says, While Jerusalem was a prey to those ferocious and devouring factions, every part of Judea was scorched and laid waste by bands of robbers and murderers who plundered the towns, and in case of resistance, slew the inhabitants, not sparing either women or children. Simon, son of Gioras, the commander of one of these bands, at the head of 40,000 banditti, having some difficulty entered Jerusalem, gave birth to a third faction, 
and the flame of civil discord blazed out again with still more destructive fury. The three factions, rendered frantic by drunkenness, rage, and desperation, trampled on heaps of slain, fought against each other with brutal savageness and madness. Even such as brought sacrifices to the temple were murdered. The dead bodies of priests and worshippers, both natives and foreigners, were heaped together, and a lake of blood stagnated in the sacred courts. John of Gesala, who headed one of the factions, burnt storehouses full of provisions, and Simon, his greatest antagonist, who headed another of them, soon afterward followed his example. Thus they cut the very sinews of their own strength. So the Roman attacks in the northern area had drove every thief and murderer into Jerusalem for protection. It became a city without law or order, where chaos reigned. When people tried to escape the city, they were killed, and their bodies filled the streets. Josephus records the infighting of the Jews. There was also a bitter contest between those that were fond of war and those who were desirous of peace. At the first, this quarrelsome temper caught hold of private families, who could not agree among themselves. After which, those people that were the dearest to one another break through all restraints with regard to each other, and everyone associated with those of his own opinion, and began already to stand in opposition one to another. So that seditions arose everywhere while those that were for innovations and were desirous of war by their youth and boldness were too hard for the aged and prudent men and in the first place all the people of every place betook themselves to rapine after which they got together in bodies in order to rob the people of the country insomuch that the barbarity and iniquity those of the same nation did no way differ from the romans nay it seems to be a much lighter thing to be ruined by the romans than by themselves Jerusalem quickly descended into anarchy, and the zealots and the fanatical Sakari executed anyone advocating surrender. The seditious factions fought against each other. They had to trample over the many dead bodies, which caused them to be filled with even more rage. Their fierce minds invented methods of torment and barbarity, which they executed without mercy. The warring factions were agreed on nothing but to kill those that were innocent. The death rate among the besieged increased, and bodies were being stacked up. To clear the way, they threw many of the bodies over the city walls. Soon, the Kidron Valley and the Valley of Hinnom were filled with corpses. One defector told Titus that their number was estimated at 115,880. And this is the most astonishing feature of this time of great tribulation. For surely, there was never a besieged city whose inhabitants suffered more from one another than from the enemy. In this feature of the case, we see most clearly that it is one of judgment, and that, as the Apostle Paul said, the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. He's pointing to the Jews, he says, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Many Roman officers urged Vespasian to attack Jerusalem while the civil war was taking place, but he declared that that would instantly reunite the Jews against the common enemy. By leaving them alone, they will keep destroying each other, making the Roman victory easier. Josephus says, and now there were three treacherous factions in the city, the one parted from the other. Eleazar and his party, that kept the sacred firstfruits, came against John in their cups. Those that were with John plundered the populace and went out with zeal against Simon. The Simon had a supply of provisions from the city, in opposition to the seditious. When therefore John was assaulted on both sides, he made his men turn about, 
throwing his darts upon those citizens that came up against him from the cloisters he had in his possession, while he opposed those that attacked him from the temple by his engines of war. And if at any time he was freed from those that were above him, which happened frequently, from their being drunk and tired, he sallied out with a great number upon Simon and his party. And this he did always in such parts of the city as he could come at, till he set on fire those houses that were full of corn, and of all other provisions. The same thing was done by Simon, when upon others' retreat he attacked the city also. As if they had one purpose, done it to serve the Romans, by destroying what the city had laid up against the siege, and by thus cutting off the nerves of their own power. Accordingly, it came to pass that all the places that were about the temple were burned down, and were become an intermediate desert place, ready for fighting on both sides of it, and that almost all the corn was burnt, which would have been sufficient for a siege of many years. So they were taken by the means of the famine, which it was impossible that they should have been, unless they had thus prepared the way for it by this procedure. And now, as the city was engaged in a war on all sides, from those treacherous crowds of wicked men, the people of the city between them were, like a great body, torn in pieces. The aged men and the women were in such distress by their internal calamities that they wished for the Romans, and earnestly hoped for an external war, in order to their delivery from their domestic miseries. The citizens themselves were under a terrible consternation and fear. For the guards were set in all places, and the heads of the robbers, although they were seditious one against another in other respects, yet did they agree in killing those that were for peace with the Romans, or were suspected of an inclination to desert to them as their common enemies. They agreed in nothing but this, to kill those that were innocent. The noise also of those that were fighting was incessant, both by day and by night, but the lamentations of those that mourned exceeded the other. Nor was there ever any occasion for them to leave off their lamentations, because their calamities came perpetually one upon another, although the deep consternation they were in prevented their outward wailing. But being constrained by their fear to conceal their inward passions, they were inwardly tormented, without daring to open their lips and groans, nor was any regard paid to those that were still alive by their relations, nor was any care taken of burial for those that were dead. The occasion of both, which was this, that everyone despaired of himself. For those that were not among the seditious had no great desires of anything, as expecting for certain that they should very soon be destroyed. But for the seditious themselves, they fought against each other while they trod upon the dead bodies. And they lay heaped one upon another, and taking up a mad rage from those dead bodies that were under their feet, became the fiercer thereupon. The three factions exchanged missile fire. John, trapped in the middle, threw missiles down upon Simon at the lower position, and used his many machines, catapults and stones and arrow firers, to target Eleazar in the temple above him. In doing so, he killed worshippers who still came to the temple, and the blood of all manner of corpses formed pools in the courts of God. During a civil war, there is no law or order. Evil men raped, pillaged, and plundered with no accountability. And then there are the daggers of the Sicarii. Certain of these robbers went up to the city as if they were going to worship God, while they had daggers under their garments. And thus by mingling themselves among the multitude, they slew Jonathan, the high priest. And as this murder was never avenged, the robbers went up with the greatest security at the festivals after this time, and having weapons concealed in like manner as before, and mingling themselves among the multitude, they slew certain of their own enemies and were subservient to other men for money, and slew others not only in remote parts of the city, but in the temple itself also. 
for they had the boldness to murder men there without thinking of the impiety of which they were guilty. Josephus said the fighting was carried even into the inner court of the temple, whereupon Josephus laments that even those who came with sacrifices to offer them in the temple were slain, and sprinkled that altar with their own blood, till the dead bodies of strangers were mingled together with those of their own country, and those of the profane persons with those of the priests. And the blood of all sort of dead carcasses stood in lakes in the holy courts themselves. Josephus documented the attacks of the zealots and Edomians on temple guards when the temple records were destroyed and the treasury compromised. Now, after Ananus was slain, the zealots and the multitude of Edomians fell upon the people as upon a flock of profane animals and cut their throats, and for the ordinary sort, they were destroyed in what place soever they caught them. But for the noblemen and the youth, they first caught them and bound them and shut them up in prison and out of their slaughter in hopes that some of them would turn over to their party, but not one of them would comply with their desires. But all of them preferred death before being enrolled among such wicked wretches as acted against their own country. But this refusal of theirs brought upon them terrible torments, for they were so scourged and tormented that their bodies were not able to sustain the torments, till at length and with difficulty they had the favor to be slain. Those whom they caught in the daytime were slain in the night and then their bodies were carried out and thrown away, that there might be room for other prisoners. And the terror that was upon the people was so great that no one had the courage enough either to weep openly for the dead man that was related to him or to bury him. But those that were shut up in their own houses could only shed tears in secret, and durst not even great groan without caution, lest any of their enemies should hear them. For if they did, those that mourned for others soon underwent the same death. There were 12,000 who perished in this manner. In the next video, I'll continue the explanation of the time of great tribulation for the Jewish nation during the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 to AD. Thank you for listening to this Olivet Discourse Decoded audio. You can save and print Olivet Discourse Decoded PDF summaries. You can request a free copy of the Olivet Discourse Decoded book or order a printed copy at www.the olivetdiscourse.com. Please share this podcast audio with others so that they can see the glory of Messiah in the fulfillment. I love y'all. Shalom.